This is Daisenju EX, the podcast, episode 252, for the week of March 20th, 2011. Welcome to a special Konsenshu EX production this week. We've got everyone right here in the house to cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike Vegito EX. I hail... You're already talking over me. <laughs> this is not going to go well. It's because we're talking smack about you. <laughs> My name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX. I hail from this terrible, terrible podcast and website called Daisenshu EX. Across from me over here, we have Mary. Hello. Hi. And I hail from the Pretty former much shell of itself known as uh, Temple of Trunks, but now Daisenshu EX, I the podcast. I suppose that exists. Great Across from me, lovely to have you here in my basement, Mr. Heath Ujio from Constantai. Thank you for having me, sir. I'm so glad you're here. I know, it's always great to be here in person. We've been looking forward to doing this episode, and it's great that we can look at each other and just talk about numbers and go, oh my god, can you believe this? We can look at pretty graphs, too. That's right, that's right, we have graphs. And then also, the The son of a bitch, (laughs) the severely drunk son of a bitch that is... At least here for the ride, covering his eyes in shame. Corey, as I've uh, deemed you here on the outline, the man whore of the community. Welcome. I would like to mention that those that are listening to this podcast will notice that shortly after the posting of this podcast, I will be following a lawsuit for a slander of my character and defamation of character, I should say. It's all right. As, uh... While I did transport the aforementioned party, which would be the Hujio, as he is known of, the Kanzentai community, I also am not, as people have uh, perpetrated me to be, such a drunk and disorderly individual, as you can see from my ability to articulate on this here podcast, which I'm very happy to be here and be a part of, and I thank you for the invitation. (laughs) So good to have everyone here. You may be able to tell we've already been enjoying ourselves this evening, and we're going to continue to do that. It's just great to have everyone together. I absolutely love it. This episode, we've been calling it various things, but I think we coined it great last week. This is the what the hell just happened to Dragon Ball Kai episode, because it's basically over, and we have this major music scandal going on. There's so many things to talk about. We are going to say exactly from the horse's mouth what dragon ball kai was supposed to be what it became and where we're heading from here we're pretty much just going to do that this episode we're going to forgo all the usual news the releases the emails it is just what happened wait we don't get emails none this episode because a lot of them apply to this subject but we're going to answer them in the course of doing this episode so we'll just acknowledge all the people that have emailed us about this and say Thank you. We appreciate it. We hope we cover everything that you have just asked us about. Uh, We do want to mention a couple of quick little things before we jump into the meat of the episode. The first one here is Super Saiyan 3 Trunks. No! Mary, No, just no! I mean, he looks like they just slapped Goku's hair on Trunks and called it a day. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, just within the universe itself, there's no basis for this ever happening, because we see what kind of roadblocks he hits. It's not gonna happen ever. Hey, if Vegeta can do it, why can't Trunks? Alright, so Dragon Ball Heroes... Trunks ascended farther than Vegeta. Did you just use that word on my show? I (laughs) did. And you're gonna take it. Out! Get out! Dragon Ball Heroes, the big card game arc game going on right now. It's the extension of the card ass series. We, I said card ass. Yes, I said. Card ass. Do you just want me to just say card du asu? 
Super Saiyan 3 Trunks has shown up in this. We've had precedent with Super Saiyan 3 Vegeta and Broly over the last couple of years showing up in the card games first, then appearing in the first Raging Blast game. So I think a lot of us can maybe accurately speculate if there is a Raging Blast 3, we'll probably see Super Saiyan 3 Trunks in that game, right? We'd rather see Gohan. You'd rather see Gohan. All right, really? why is that? I don't Fan know. Fanboy love right there. That's what that is. Uh, just because Gohan's proven himself stronger. Okay. I'd right. rather see a Super Saiyan 4 Gohan because at least even while it was a fan work. Going back to Studio yeah. Tomita oh, here. Because right? we've oh. seen something in people that have and inevitably looked on you know Google Image Search have yeah, seen yeah. that concept come up. You know, it would be great to see it on some level, depending on how they did it in terms of a move set and so forth. I agree. I mean, that old design was so It would good. be a bit of a fanboy, you know, sure, kind sure. of boon. Well, I mean, what have all the other things been, if not total fanboy extravaganzas? True. True. So, I mean, that's really all we have for news this week. I do want to mention uh, Heath, your buddy, Jake. Constantine, mm -hmm. we were going over some of the vis-isms from the last volume of the manga, volume 38, that we did in our manga review of awesomeness last time on the show. He did have one that he forgot to toss into the mix for us. Which so I we, think is a key one. It is a pretty interesting one, because I know we mentioned it during the show, and we just kind of glossed over it and kept going. So I will read what Jake sent us here. He says, in Viz's <clears throat> translation, Dabra says that he checked out the Earth 300 years ago. But originally, he says that he, quote, had the Earth checked out, end quote, implying that he didn't personally do the investigating. Accordingly, Daizenshu 7's timeline says that an underling of Dabra came to the Earth around age 474 rather than Dabra himself. To confuse things even more, old mistranslations of the Daizenshu 7 timeline simply talk of Dabra himself coming to Earth so that's what you see in a lot of fan timelines, even today. That's an interesting thing that Dabra didn't come. Bobbity himself didn't come. It was this third removed underling that came and scattered out the earth this 300 years ago. It was Pooey Pooey. It was Pooey Pooey. <laughs> you think it was him. Has he been under the Majin charm for this long? The whole time. That's awesome. It's quite possible. Quite possible. So we're going to kind of wrap this newsish, housekeeping-ish stuff up right now. We do have a contest that we're concluding this episode, although the end of that contest has not finished or come by the time we're recording right this second. So I believe it was Corey who decided we have a second prize to give away. No, I have to concede that honor to my friend. Was it Heath? Heath. It was who many of the listeners may know as Hujio from Kanzentai, who I've affectionately dubbed Heath Geo. Yes, yes. During the uh, tour by our lovely host, uh, the Mr. Vegito EX, we have come across a prize that we believe many uh, fans will appreciate on some level, and therefore we wish to present it for consideration in terms of a giveaway. Sure, sure. I guess we'll draw another name slash email address later on and we will give away Heath do you want to announce what this is I mean we're giving away Daisenshu 4 world guide that's right. the big prize for this episode and we can't be biased so we have to go with something American sure right absolutely okay, so so we're going with Dragon Ball Z Funimation's copy of Kid Buu Vegeta's plea so why this disc because it was the first one I pulled out of a box. Well, first, <laughs> first I'd like to mention that this is a 62-minute disc. Oh, wow, really? Which that features much? three episodes, believe it or not. Yes, ladies Quite and gentlemen. Quite a bargain. Can, can you read the, the splash on the 
front to bottom right of this DVD? Yes, I would. Uh, believe it or not, in this, you know, I know many people here are very acclimated with the VHS technology. This right, new right. digital video disc or digital versatile disc. Thank you for pointing come, that out. Yeah. Thank you. I've come to uh, acknowledge it. It includes two versions. Yes, two versions. The English uncut. Now, for those that are unfamiliar, uncut means that the version has not been edited from its original Japanese visual iteration. Now, the English uncut version and the original Japanese version. Hold on. I'm not done. It is subtitled in, not Vietnamese. Cantonese. Not Cantonese. That would have been my first guess. Not French, not German. No, my friends. This is subtitled in English and not the King's English. This is subtitled in North American English. Good old you can watch American this. English. Yes. Wow. You may watch Y'all. this and understand every single word without having to refer to a limey friend who can translate the idiosyncrasies between that language that is separated by the Atlantic Ocean. I know. Yes. You, you know what? How much of this are you keeping? <laughs> I haven't decided yet. We'll see. <laughs> We have amazing things to give away. We have an amazing topic to go into. So I'm going to ignore the rest of you right now. I think I made... And by the rest of I you, think I mean I made, specifically. I think I made an admirable sales pitch. I think so. And I wish that it should be concluded. The most eloquent drunk I've ever had the pleasure of recording with. Let's talk about what the hell just happened. <laughs> I would like to, to add to it. No, 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 no. God damn it. We know that Dragon Ball Kai is coming to a close very soon. As of this recording, we have four episodes left, according to... That's correct, isn't it? Three. Are we up to three now? Because... 95 did air. Oh, okay, okay. Right, right. Uh, according to TVPA magazine, mm-hmm. as of that publication, we had four episodes left. I forgot that we have had one more. We were supposed to have the second of the four remaining. Yes, 96 was supposed to air last weekend, but the earthquake sort of preempted that. Right, right. So now we still have these three remaining episodes. Everything's just been pushed back one week, right? Correct. Okay. As far as we know. All right. So there's I, still three hanging out there. They're right. going to air at some point. Dragon Ball Kai ending with the end of the Cell arc, still leaving the entire Majin Buu story arc. That's a subject for another podcast. We've talked about some of the factual bits of information here and there. What we're here to talk about right now is why Dragon Ball Kai was even started in the first place. What was the goal of Toei Animation and maybe some of the other companies? What happened along the way? And maybe we'll talk a little bit about where does the Dragon Ball franchise go from here? Here we are in March 2011. This refreshed version of the series, basically done. Where does it leave us? Now, Heath, you and I have been digging into financial reports, financial highlights. You've gone into presentations from Toei Animation. It's been crazy. It has been. How this stuff has gone by and nobody's noticed has been quite surprising, but it's out there and we found it. <coughs> I guess most people just don't know that this stuff is Well, yeah, no one's yeah, as crazy as we are. And hey, let's go dig through financial records. Right, right. It is the last place that a lot of people would think to look in terms of an explanation that isn't just purely fueled and supported by numbers. Right, right, exactly. I mean, there, there's stuff in here that's, oh my God, they're not just telling us what the profit margins are. They're telling us what their motivations were. And we never would expect it to come from that. So we know that Dragon Ball Kai was produced as a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the Dragon Ball Z 
TV series. It debuted in April 2009. But we're going to dive back a little before Dragon Ball Kai started. Heath, you dove into some of the Toei stuff, but I guess we'll set up the anime industry as a whole. Of course, we know what it's like in North America. Companies going under. It's basically Funimation and to a lesser extent Viz. Correct. We've got Media Blasters hanging out in the side. We've got, who is ADV now? Is it Sentai? What do they call themselves? Senbei? I mean, <laughs> that's Dr. Slump. I don't remember what they're called anymore, but it's really Funimation and Viz. The industry is pretty much in the crapper, save for the big titles. We'll go over to Japan. I mean, that's where it originates. Stuff is better over there, but things have also gone down the tubes a little bit as well. Yeah, well, and it's it's also, if you just look back at the past 10 years, the, the dollar in comparison to the yen, I mean, I remember oh, back yeah, yeah. when it was 100 yen, at least, you know, the simple conversion was... You could was do the easy math. 100, and you just take off two zeros, and sure. that's what it was in U.S. currency. And nowadays, I think the last time I checked, it was a dollar for 82 yen, something yeah, like yeah. that. So for the most part, as much as it's affected America, it's, it's affected Japan almost less in a way as far as the drop in value. Right, of our right. money. So they, they can get a lot more for their worth, which for the most part has been really good for them because they can go overseas, which we've seen a lot of their overseas sales right, have, right. have been quite high, a little higher than usual, because they can get more for their money than what they used to be able to. Definitely. That's a big, important part. We'll talk about the international licensing, but maybe keeping it in Japan for a little bit, you have a something you pulled out here. At its peak in the 2006 fiscal year, there were 91 different anime series being shown on TV in Japan. By the 2009 fiscal year, this number had dropped down to 60 Six. Oh, I've heard this this kind yeah. of statistic batted around previously, you know, out of this context. Right. I always thought it was fascinating. Just, you know, it's, it's not just the Dragon Ball universe. It's all anime. Yeah, it affects everyone. Yeah, it's it was one thing that, like Mary said, I've heard many times before where fans will say, this is happening, and you, you never really have a source. And it was great to really find this, where, where Toei Animation came out and said, we've gone through, here's how many anime that we had on air at a certain time. And not just them, but anime in general across Japan that they had on a satellite TV yeah, that yeah. was running in prime time and right, so right. forth. You know, at the time, Toei Animation only had six to seven animes that they were running that they would pitch out to, uh, you know, different TV stations. And to see this drop and the fact that they would note in their presentations that there is an excessive amount of competition in anime out in the industry that we have to Let me read your quote here. This is from Toei. Quote, an excessive animation production to an appropriate market size. Dropping it down there, yeah. Appropriate market size. I wonder if that means (laughs) otaku. Well, that's, I mean, that's, again, like you were saying, larger than the Dragon Ball, larger than the Shonen fandom. Mm -hmm. The market size for anime in Japan has been reduced. Deuce. Well, you've got to figure. I mean, on a global level, we've seen a recession where a yeah, lot yeah. of and people, where Japan, in a lot of ways, at least from our viewpoint as people that are, you know, outside, you know, we've seen a lot of their uh, anime products being priced significantly at a uh, higher. We've level. always seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, there's always been. The board. Exactly. And there's always been, I guess, a uh, proportional quality to price ratio. But at the same time, when you see such a dramatic uh, economic shift as we've seen here in the past few years, you're going to see 
repercussions in terms of uh, things that are non-vital to Definitely. survival. So, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense that you would see something like that, you know, such a dramatic scaling back of, you know, people having a free uh, disposable income to right. things that are deemed to be non-essential uh, to survival. And I think jumping but, off of something you said in there, we are going from the physical media world to the digital media world. I know we'll which, talk about that with Kyle. Yeah, because too. Uh, Toei is very, very clear in a lot of their presentations about the different times where they went from the analog age yeah. to transitioning to the digital to we are now in the full digital age. And it, I which mean, they graph these things out and they're so aware. encouraging yeah. that and they put that much thought very into true, it. Very true, very true. We think, oh man, they don't even know what they're doing. But no, it's, I think it's it very clear like they that do. they know that they have to trim the fat. And if yeah, yeah. Dragon Ball's on Moneymaker, well... Which I is mean, we see where this goes. It's interesting to me that they would make such a bold proclamation when they were arguably one of the later companies to kind of jump into the digital medium age. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you had so many successful properties that people were clamoring for for such a long time to make the transition from an analog medium to digital. Yeah, all these series that aired on TV and maybe they played in repeats, so there was no home release Period. Exactly. Well, and there there was a big push in a lot of the presentations for Toei, uh, I want to say around 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. where they noticed a trend of we need to pick up on Blu-ray oh, and right. we need yeah. to start pushing Blu-ray. And by the fiscal year 2011, you can really see that Blu-ray has taken off in Japan. Interesting. DVD sales have actually gone down, but Blu-ray sales have gone huh. up. Mm-hmm. And so they... You can see the big push for we need to do things in HD. We need to market things so that we can get it on Blu-ray. Probably because they saw such a loss, in all honesty. And I I say this purely as a speculative comment, but I mean, they were... I can only speak really from Dragon Ball because that was the main series, of course, that I followed of theirs. It was a major property. Right, right. So many other companies over there were really trying to jump into the digital trend because you've got to figure they didn't start really releasing on Dragon Ball until 2002, 2003. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to figure that's one of the main money makers that they had in their coffers that they could really just... I mean, essentially, if they put it on disc, it was pretty much a given that... It was guaranteed. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like we've talked about before when we talked about the Dragon Boxes, how they actually came out with a poll and said, what series do you want us to release? And it was overwhelming that everyone in Japan wanted Dragon Ball on DVD. And how many of them were delayed? Was it GT and the movies both themselves? Yes, were delayed? those were the only two. Overwhelming. De- I mean, those were the cheapest, cheapest. of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. But it was, oh my God, so many people want to purchase this. We can't meet the demand. We got to push it back. And even then with those, I mean, you've got to figure, if I remember correctly, the actual surveys that they had on Toy's website yeah. were what, 1999, 2000? Yeah. I mean, when DVD had established itself as, okay, this is not another flash in the pan like Laserdisc. True, this is yeah, something yeah. that's going to be a true yeah. financially viable successor to analog media. They still took years in order to actually get a viable product out on the market. That and maybe that purchase. was for the best. Cause, I mean, we ended up with some pretty great products. It's true, so. but at the same time, it's something that it probably factors into them having made such a proclamation of, okay, we need to get behind Blu-ray now as yeah, opposed yeah. to taking years to perfect. Yeah, that very yeah, well good point. could be. Because unfortunately, we've seen, I mean, the market here, I'm not sure how it is in Japan, but especially, you know, domestically in North America, we see a lot of double dipping. You know, people don't necessarily put out the best product first, but they put out something in order to saturate the market. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that later on, they can always sell the, uh, 
I guess, the video file and audio file community on right. the possibility of having a greater remastered yep. product. Something you were hinting at, Corey, was what what is Toei doing for money? What is the, the jump or the drop? Heath, you pulled this out here. Let me read it. In the third quarter of the 2009 fiscal year, which was mid-2008 because we're operating on fiscal years here, right. Toei Animation reported a drastic drop in net income from 1.5 billion yen. 1.5 billion yen to 174 million yen. Well, that would have been around the time that the economy was going down the crapper anyway. Sure, exactly. And they, in their presentation, the very next presentation came out and said, we need to change something. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what they did. They they came up with a new strategy, a new plan of how they could move forward to sustain some sort of growth in the company to get back what they had lost. And that was such a huge drop. It, it's just, I don't even, I can't fathom those numbers, really. No, no. I, I have to give some admiration to Toei in that case, because in a lot of cases, from a fan base point of view, you know, we view Toei with the Dragon Ball properly in particular is being kind of uh, oblivious to what the fan base wants. This, like, oblivious draconian empire. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because, you know, you have that oblivious nature, but at the same time, you know, they're viewed by a lot of people as being the uh, Disney, I guess, of, uh, you know, Japan and so forth. It's interesting to see them take such an immediate uh, observation and see that... Like, oh shit, we we gotta do something right now. Exactly, it kind of throws you into a sense of uh, you know realizing just how uh, serious it is when they snap to attention, whereas before they seemed to kind of be you know DVD premiered back in you know 1995-1996 and started taking over a fair market share you know in the later 90s, but they didn't actually even really take recognition of it until the late late 90s, early 2000s. Now Blu-ray, you know, like Heath was saying, you know, 2007 or so, they were talking about we need to get into here, we need to start actually putting ourselves out there and saturating the market. You know, Blu-ray had only been around for a short, short period of time. It was still in the infantile stages. Especially right after it beat out HD. Right, there's there's still competition for a while. Exactly, it hadn't even necessarily won the uh, format war, and yet they were seeing that they needed to put their actual, you know, marketing muscle behind it. I I think they teamed up with Sony and (laughs) said, we need to go with (laughs) Blu-ray. Right, Which there were. I mean, there were a lot of marketing incentives, and I think, uh, of course, you know, Sony was probably pushing a lot of things in their domestic country of trying to get, you know, major companies like Toei behind it. It's just interesting to see how much of a shift it's been, you know, the initial change from analog to digital, now we're going to HD. Well, here we are. That's exactly what Toei is talking about there. Heath, you called it the... The digital permeating age, which is what they called it in their presentation. So I mean, this is like that in between period. It's it's how it's now permeating. It's it's here. We have digital all the time because even in Japan right now, they're they're constantly talking about how they're they're switching over to digital terrestrial television. So just kind of like what we did in the U.S. a couple years ago, they're. You'll no longer have analog over the air television. Right, it's Everything's going to be digital. digital. Broadcast. Yeah. And now it's the next stage. Yes. They are moving on. And in the next stage, they even, there was a slight note that I didn't put in, in the outline, but they noted we need to address things quickly. We need to adjust to what's happening almost instantaneously and just move on. So, it's very much a, if something is not working, we need to just move on and do something else that is working because we need money. That seems like they're looking for just a short-term fix for a long-term problem, which could prove to be very, very problematic. That, that is weird. It's like they're looking for a short, 
short-term fix, but are looking at it from a long-term perspective. And I don't know if you can do anything else when you're such a major yeah, company like that. Or it's can just we say really that? odd. Can we say that, or can we also honestly say that the uh, collapse, almost seemingly, of the U.S. anime industry has kind of led to that? Because you've got to figure, like you were saying here a few moments ago, you went from having the Genions, the yeah, Media yeah. Blasters, the Manga Entertainment, the... It was kind of a fairly diverse market to now where it's essentially, you know, Funimation and Viz essentially are your two titans. And you've got to figure the North American market has probably been, and I say this just purely pulling it out of my ass. I don't have numbers to support it, unfortunately. Just like everything. But you've got to figure it's got to be a fairly large part of what their market is, at least in terms of, you know, they have, of course, their domestic market. But do you think that they're reacting to that? The fact that before, you know, when you reached, when you got to 2000 and so forth, anime had reached a saturation point in North America. You had numerous licensors that were having a bidding war essentially over any popular Yeah, at that point you couldn't ignore the North American market. No, you couldn't because we had reached a point in all honesty where it was something that if you ignored it, essentially you were asking for bankruptcy. throw money out the window but now we've kind of it's reached that apex it's ebbed back you know of course in correlation <laughs> to the actual you know uh market kind of recession in general globally but do you think that the fact that they've made a greater recognition of the market as uh, a whole in general comes from the fact one of their bigger markets essentially went from being a short bit a sure bet essentially to being not necessarily so much of a okay if we put a show out we know we're going to have six seven different companies coming to the table to bid right right with large bids and not giving up until they get something like Dragon Ball that's, was a huge it, thing before that's a really good point because anymore. that comes up a lot later on because Toei went into detail of we need to go overseas we can't just stick in Japan and right it, that has been one of their business models as of late in the past couple of years. Not only will they do a show or a series to market it overseas, they're looking into collaborating with other animation studios all over the world of, can we collaborate with them, put our name on it? Can we right. make it here and release it? Can we do it in the Philippines and release Which it is in North America? interesting because when you look at the uh, Japanese media industry as a whole, just very slightly kind of expanding outside the sphere of influence, um, the video game industry, you've seen recently a lot of Western influences permeating into things that previously had been solely, not solely, but very... Uh, kind of uh, Eastern-centric. You know, you have, uh, I guess, Square Enix would be one of the big things I was going to say, um, not necessarily a Square Enix thing, but Mm. Hironobu Sakaguchi with the last story Mm. having some Western influence Mm. in that game. Of course, we still haven't heard about it being announced over here yet, Mm. but it was... The Jap- the what you think of the traditional Japanese RPG cannot continue to exist solely in Japan and expect to make a profit with the amount of money they need to sink into it. So. Which is sad on the one level because you do see kind of a uh, a blurring, I guess, of the identity of yeah, some of these yeah. companies. But at the same time, on the financial or the fiscal level, you know, you see these companies looking, I guess, towards a more uh, from a financial standpoint. You know, they see that they cannot, you know, recoup and maximize their profit margins right. simply by staying within Japan so Ooh. they start planning things for a more global scale. Let's and talk by global about in a lot of ways it's North America as their main target. Definitely. Let's talk about that yeah. with Toei and what 
is basically their strategy. Heath broke it into three sections. It's TV animation, collaboration, and their library. Now, it sounds like number which, one and three are kind of one and the same. Right, which, I mean, we should note that when they, in the presentation that I took this from, I specifically just took these three as they apply to Dragon Ball. Sure, sure. Uh, it, I believe it was a list of six categories that they came out with. Okay. These are our future goals. This is what we need to do. The other ones weren't really, you know, flash animation jokes aside, don't really apply to Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. So I I went with E6, the TV animation, the collaboration library. Okay. TV animation, it's so important. It's the largest animation market. Yeah. They make almost all of their money from doing TV animation. And And they realize it. And they know it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they say, we have to market toward this. Does that include movies? Yes. Okay. Right. Because as we see with all of their shown-in properties, it's the movies based on the TV franchise. And in one of their presentations, they even went so far as they were looking at how did these tv animations movie you know across the globe i mean they looked at toy story 3 and they they were comparing one piece the movie that they came out with with toy story yeah and saying you know how did all of these compare globally even far back as 2006 they were saying we need to move into the movie market because it's very we we can make a 45 to an hour and a half long movie and just make a bazillion billion yen off of this in one shot as opposed to animating an entire series. And, and that's more direct money, too, because that's ticket yes. sales and all that, as opposed to ratings and merchandise, right. which is so different. And you did know here that they constantly maintain four to six stable broadcasting time slots. Which was their goal. That's what right. they want. I believe at the moment they have seven. Okay. So... So they're doing yeah. a little bit better than I thought. Now, this collaboration thing, this is so interesting because Funimation is moving into this whole co-production realm. But I guess we'll stick with Toei for a little bit. They want to focus on production of titles targeted, Dragon Ball's right in here, worldwide distribution. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't think of anything else of what could be a worldwide property that we Spain, have. Italy, Germany, Chile, exactly. China. And Mexico. It's, it's really interesting if you look at a lot of their overseas sales that they have. Yeah. And not only do they list North America, which is somewhat what we're more interested in, but Europe consistently outdoes the U.S. We'll talk about that in a bit, too. All Europe. the time. Not only in anime, but like we'll we'll talk about video, video games. games. But what about, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe the two of you can actually sure. uh, expand on this, but... Hasn't Toy before kind of metaphorically dipped their toe into the U- the North American market, I guess? They, they have. What was it? They tried to put out Slam Dunk on their own. Yep. They tried to yeah, put out something else. And haven't they... I mean, I've only heard hearsay because it's never been a series in all honesty, and I don't say this as some sort of, you know, arrogant, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. dickhead way, but it's never been a series that I've actually cared to examine on my own. Sure. But haven't their efforts been kind of met with a, I guess, overwhelming sense of... Uh, Eh. I guess underwhelming effort. Maybe on they, their I think part. it's just which, a matter of they didn't know their market or they didn't put enough. Right, which you can see it. in a lot of these. They're looking to collaborate with other companies that are already established in a certain country or a certain region, Doesn't, so they can go through them. But in a and way, put their products they, out. In a way, aren't they doing that? Because I mean, take a take for instance, you know, the market that's of most interest to us, the North mm-hmm. American market. Right. Funimation has established themselves now for. You I was gonna know, say, doesn't that bode well for Funimation? Yeah, Funimation's yeah. established <laughs> themselves, you know, for 15 years, for you know, 11 years, arguably, as an independent market. Because before they had, you know, always been linked, you know, symbiotically to something like Saban or so forth. But right. Now they've proved themselves in, as an independent licensor and publisher of anime and so forth. How does that differ for us? 
particularly? Because, I mean, I guess when you look at, you know, Europe, for instance, you could argue that they can link up with AB Group or whoever is actually, I guess, handling the licensing at that point. But how does that change things for us, really? I don't know if there's going to be much of a change because I think it, it depends a lot on those companies and how willing they are to negotiate and say, you know, we're going to pay more, we're going to pay less for this because, hey, we're the name of the game here. You know, we're Funimation. We're going to get it. I don't know who you're going to give it to in the U.S. that's going to get it. We're it. Have yeah. fun. All right, let's pull it back. <laughs> Another thing you're talking about, they want to leverage their library. Yeah. It, um, and maybe that ties into what, Corey, you were yeah, just talking it, about. Because they, they were very clear in saying... We have one of the largest animation libraries in the world. We have over, you know, combined 10,000 episodes from all the series that we have done. How can we use this library of existing material? It's there. It's free. That we can reuse and do. And just like how they came out with the Dragon Boxes, they've done this with countless, countless series over the last five years of we're going to release commemorative DVD boxes of Dr. Slump, of Slam Dunk. But in so many ways, those were great because they didn't exist previously. This is almost taking that to the next level of, all right, we've done what we can with it. Now what can we do with it? How can we expand on this, still get some profit as easy as possible? What about the metaphor or the similarity that people have always cited of Toy being the Disney of the East, essentially? Which is is basically what they're saying when we have 10,000 episodes. We're we going to pull Dragon something. Ball out of the vault this year. And when yep. we're done, it's going back in the Toei vault. Exactly. And we'll what see we? you again in five years. Exactly. And you have Disney. When you look at Disney from a marketing perspective, you know, they are licensed Wonderful. to yeah. so many different, you know, Miramax, so many different yeah. companies that tie back to Disney. Are we going to see stuff like that? Are we going to see know. Toei I mean, that's, no a, that's again, you know, a We're a only in the second wave. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, but we're th- we're talking about a company essentially that has always remained identifiable as themselves. There has never, yeah, yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, at least, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's always been Toei Animation. It's never been different subsects where it's you know, okay, we've got 20 different companies, but if you analyze them and look at them from a fiscal perspective, they all tie back to Toei Animation, mm. which they do. I mean, they own so much of that. They have. Toy Studios, mm. where they record, they Tavak. Uh, yeah. I mean, you name yeah. anything, and Toei owns it, and they have right. but we Chemical now, Studios for are film. We now, they have are we now going to see them? Essentially, I guess what I'm saying is, are we going to see them split up in such a way where I guess. For their sake also, you know, it's more easily identifiable mm. for them to say, okay, this section of our company is not profitable, I, therefore we need to, you know, trim the fat on this one. See, I don't know this. if that's a question we can really answer right now. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, all, it's all speculation. Yeah. But, and I that's mean, where I think the interest can... comes in, because all of us, I think, have followed to some varying degree, you know, Toei's success, you know, from, you know, I mean, of course, Dragon Ball's what brought us into it, but, you know, now we've analyze them in terms of their marketing of, you know, transition from analog to digital media is mm-hmm. what one of the one things we were talking about. Now they're going to HD media and so forth. They're licensing to, you know, uh, prospective marketers abroad and so forth. I mean, 
of course, it's all going to be perspective, but it's still interesting to talk about. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I still go back to, I don't know if we can answer these questions, and it's great to ask, but mm-hmm. I mean, how much of it can we really answer right now at this point? Well, I guess let's turn it over to Dragon Ball Kai specifically. <laughs> I mean, we keep talking about the, the Japanese industry and Toei. I'm sorry. No, no, it, it's wonderful, and I hope people are enjoying this, because maybe it's opening their eyes to what the Japanese industry is like. I mean, Not only that, but how it's going to affect our domestic Domestic market. Oh, definitely, because definitely. Especially over here, we've seen such a change radically in the past few years, and anything yeah, yeah. that happens over there is going to have some sort oh, of, you know. it absolutely exactly. affects us. Heath, something you were mentioning here in, uh, we keep talking about this, oh, we're working from an outline. This is something that you've been we working are. on for a bit, going through all these fiscal reports and stuff. This is going to be a feature on Constantine. I'll mention right. a little bit on Daizenshu EX. I gave you some stuff to plug in. I mean, this information will be more than just a podcast, so you can right. refer back to it. But something you noted here, as Toei continued on in one of their next presentations, Dragon Ball came up, and one of the reasons they went to Dragon Ball specifically, sure, it's a library title, sure, it's something they can do overseas, but also the attractiveness to various generations. And they pushed that to no end. I mean, they really did, where they said... This series came out in the 80s. Everyone loves it. It's a staple in Japan. Everyone knows of it, whether yeah. they've seen it or not. Everyone knows who Goku is. I mean, he's they've had polls in the past couple of years. We see he's this still the, the favorite character and in so Japan fickle. of all time. They'll always go with whoever yes. the new hotness is, but Goku, damn yeah. right he's up there. And that was the one thing. We need to push this to the younger generation that's growing up now. We need them to get addicted to Goku. Mm-hmm. And we can come back to this 20 years from now and we can resell Dragon Ball all over again to these children that now have grown up with some Dragon Ball on their television. Here's the exact quote you pulled from Toei. Their goal for Kai was, quote, to broadcast the HD remastered classic Dragon Ball Z for high definition television to acquire new fans and encourage a resurgence in popularity. Right yeah. in there. We gotta go after the new fans. We gotta yeah. hook them too. And I think you, you're gonna talk about this a little bit, but it's the older fans, they've already paid their dues. They've already bought stuff. Yeah. We gotta get new what fans can we to do buy with this? new stuff too. Exactly. Can we get this nostalgia factor out of them so many years from now? Can we get them on it now? Can That's... we get older fans to even come back again well, I... and add that to the market? Can I cite one thing that's similar and it's kind of sure. interesting? You know, for instance, looking at the domestic market here in North America versus how it's impacted Japan. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, over here we're looking at the exact reciprocation of the Japanese market affecting here. You look at music, for instance, you have seen a lot of, you know, the 80s hair metal bands over here yeah, in North yeah. America. They're still essentially, you know, they refer to themselves almost as having a Beatles level of popularity, you know, when the British invasion occurred here in mm-hmm. North America in the 60s, to how they're still received in Japan. It's interesting how now they're looking at taking almost a similar thing, but they're looking at taking a domestic property for themselves that is, you know, from 20 years ago and trying to uh, revitalize it 
and pump it out to, I guess, the masses because we've seen that the Japanese market is capable of taking something that has a nostalgia factor and even the current generations, you know, are able to accept it and take that in and have ex genuine excitement and genuine uh, revenue generation. Even right, it's right. It's not just, ooh, yeah. old stuff, icky, but exactly. they Whereas, are willing to accept exactly. it. Exactly. So we've seen that on the music level, so it's not, it was not, uh, I guess, completely unfounded for them to believe that they could do the same you know, with an animation that had achieved great numbers, obviously, in its heyday. Right. And here's a big is, thing as well. It's not just these younger fans. We're talking about the co-production earlier. It's not necessarily co-production. It's not in any way, really. But for Dragon Ball Kai as well, go after the overseas market. We have to do yes. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they, it, you know, they even went and said in the very next presentation after that, they analyzed and looked at the fact that who's watching this in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And... And I noted in my article about like 56% of older, you know, in their 20s and 30s were watching, but 57% between the ages of 4 to 12. And that's what they were looking for. And that's exactly what they got. This is so weird because it's this... They have two things going on. They want to get these new fans to buy stuff now, but at the same time, they're almost laying the groundwork for what will be the third yes. cycle of Dragon Which Ball. Which becomes very evident as you look through a lot of this of, we are... Not only, we want this now, yeah. but we're going to set this up for the future. So we have something that we can come back to when we need it. I think it almost ties it's back so to It's so conniving. It is, it. really. <laughs> I think it's kind of a cue that they took from the North American market in a way. And I think, I know it's kind of old hat, but I mean, look at Funimation, for instance, okay? They watched one of their largest licensors, arguably, release the series time and time and time again mm -hmm. and witness an appreciation in the sales each time that they made a new release of the series. Mm-hmm. So it was not, from a business perspective, irresponsible of them to take a look at it and say, okay, well, if in North America, a property that well, came shit, secondary, yeah, if they can do it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. We're talking about the property, the country that spawned Dragon Ball. If they can do it, why the hell can't we, especially if we are arguably putting more effort into it to begin with? I mean, it's just something that's kind of, uh, it's uh, amusing almost. You know, it's, so weird. it shows that they were analyzing the market arguably and again this is just speculation to a degree and decide okay well if one company can take something make marginal improvements each time and make yeah, a yeah. killing and establish a company We're in all honesty why can't we the people that made it you know turn around and do the same thing so they called it their evergreen brand mm -hmm. they know that it's always going to be relevant they can always do something with it it's going to work overseas they want to expand this brand as well but then we get into the actual production of the show and something we've talked about from the very beginning Heath you and I were always updating our respective sites with HappyNet just updated alright they're listing now beyond episode 50 now they're listening now they're listing alright maybe we'll do like 99 episodes and alright we're going to update that now we're concrete the cell arc ends at 98 episodes. Right. You go back to the beginning of Dragon Ball Kai, the promotional art only went through, well, here's Frieza. It really, I, I don't know if there's much debate about it. I mean, I guess you could, but the all the evidence really points toward we're doing this arc by arc. We're going to see how this goes. If it keeps going well, we'll keep going. Great. If it doesn't, we're going to do what we decided at the beginning. We're going to make quick adjustments 
to the market. Yeah. We're going to do what we need to do to stay profitable. It and if Kai is not profitable, so be it. It was the toe in the water approach, essentially. Where yeah, at all oh, times, absolutely. At all times, they were monitoring. Is it warm yet? Is it getting hot? Exactly. Uh, they were chilly. Yeah. They were keeping an eye on it. And at the same time, it's kind of fascinating because obviously, you know, their domestic market was their first concern. But since they were already looking at collaboration with, you know, outside influences, you know, I'm sure Funimation, of course, was immediately at the bargaining table, for instance, for North America trying to receive, you know, the licensing rights to release Which it over here. Which is exactly and what it was we immediate. Saw. Yeah. It was not something that we, we were, were all shocked. shocked how soon that was exactly because i mean they made that announcement and i think we were all expecting something different we, I, we definitely expected it would take another year before we hear anything about yeah. anyone doing Kai. exactly why oversaturate it we we have dragon boxes now we're doing the orange this bricks are still doing well yes why now and hey here's zikai have at it <laughs> it was interesting because i mean it was if it followed hard upon the fact that they were finally releasing, you know, the Dragon Boxes here. I know, I know. Which were seven years, or six years old, I guess, at the time, maybe. It totally screwed up and all of all our of predictions. Like, what? How do you release three versions of the same thing? Well, you're well, releasing think, two different versions of the same episodes, you know, within reason or within And, and then a also having margin. the Orange Bricks still selling so well yeah. at the same time. Still in print, though, because, yep. I mean, if yep. something's still selling, you can argue, okay, maybe it's gone out of print and they're yeah, selling yeah. stock that's still, but they're still, they're still I mean, printing them. they're still making them. It's not Because we, we had that disc error just a few months ago. They're yes. like, all right, we're going to fix it. That means they're still making those exactly. sets. Exactly. So essentially, we have three in North America, three different versions, arguably, with minor differences between yeah, each yeah. iteration of the same episodes in print. And, you know, of course, you reach a point where you oversaturate the market, which... Right, right. Yeah. I think the one thing to take from that, well, maybe not so much from that, but not only did they give it to North America right away. I mean, we saw many other countries just follow suit. After Funimation, right just away, boom, boom, just boom, boom, boom. And once again, Dragon Ball, almost globally... In every country being released, just across the world, here's Dragon Ball Z Kai. Heath, you, you ask a question in what's going to be your page over on Kanzentai. The question is, did Dragon Ball Kai fail to deliver? A question that I've asked time and time again, and this is getting into a little bit of the production yeah. side of things. Is Kai too expensive? I'm not sure that that's the right question. Perhaps the question is... Does it cost more than they're willing to put into it for what they're getting back in return? And maybe we'll talk I about that a little bit. I think that's the better question. Let's talk a little bit about ratings to start with. Dragon Ball Kai Episode 1 aired April 5th, 2009. It was number four in animation for that week with an 11.3 average household rating. Now, um, I know you've dived back into the stats a little mm-hmm. bit. I was wondering if that was the peak. You decided that, no, that wasn't the peak. There was no. at least one that did better than that. Episode 47. Which coincidentally is Goku's first Super Saiyan transformation. Correct. And that peaked in at 12.3%. Wow. So just like we've done at times with reversionings of the show, if you will, tuning in for, I don't want to say tuning in for the train wreck, but tuning in to see how it's going to be handled. Japanese did the exact same thing with her own version of the show. Yeah. Now, let's jump ahead. Episode 94. Um, This is the last one that I just pulled up a stat for. February 20th, just 
a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's number six for the week, down to a nine point four rating. And if I if I remember, I this is off the top of my head. Than I mean, it had been yeah ninety five, which aired two weeks ago. I believe was a nine point two, and it came in around six or seven. Right, right. So I the la- for most of the sell arc, it's been fairly consistent as far as what it pulls in. It does have a couple dips here and there, but you were saying that one of the biggest dips was all right. Cyan arc ended. They're off to Namek. Yep. The second they left and got on that ship, everything dropped for a while. And that's, we hit the lowest peak there for a while. I believe it was 6.4%. Wow. All the way down there. Yeah. I mean, it was, and it's weird because when you look at it, it was 6.4% for the market. It was still in the top 10 of all anime. How sad is that? Yeah. That the market has gone down that low, that a six still up there. Here's a question I have for you though, Heath, and I've seen this so many places a lot of people just don't get it why do decent or good or great ratings it does well number four for its week Mm -hmm. sometimes number one sometimes number two doing what people are watching this show why is that not good enough because it doesn't pay the bills why doesn't ratings pay the bills? Why don't, it, I guess? They have advertising, sure, which is sure. one point that's been Isn't brought that up. It? Ratings do well. Doesn't that mean they can command a higher Unfortunately, that is not what drives the animation market in Japan. I mean, I it's, say this as if yeah. I'm Mike, you don't know, know anything. <laughs> so uh, it's not what pays the bills in the animation market. It's not what drives the animation market. Animation's Everything in Japan is merchandise sales period that is how they pay for almost everything i mean toei partners up with certain people bondi namco you know you name it right they come up with something they sell it and if you don't really believe me go ahead and look up some of the animation presentations or the fiscal presentations that toei has put up there will be pages upon pages where the only thing they look at is here's one piece merchandise and we've made a shit ton of money off of it (laughs) and that is it'll be page after page of here's a new figure here's you know we came out with a dvd here's a cd one piece was rated the top anime sales in all of japan that is what they care about and the fact of the matter is dragon ball kai was not selling merchandise. People were tuning in. They were getting great ratings. They were competing with One Piece and all the other great animes. You, you saw them flip flopping. One Piece yeah. did better. Dragon Ball did better. Oh my God, Dragon Ball outperformed One Piece. Oh, they flip flopped. And the problem week. was the way it appears, fans said, yes, we love Dragon Ball and we will watch we'll it watch for it. free in HD, but I will not buy your products. And unfortunately, that is all that drives the markets in Japan. Well, that's funny because you see a similar response uh, domestically because uh, not necessarily with the TV market, but with the uh, motion picture industry, you've seen that people that are in the know, especially producers and directors, have told you that the uh, ticket sales, when something is uh, theatrically uh, debuted, Mm -hmm. no longer carry the weight that they used to. Essentially, a theatrical run of a movie is what they have called now a glorified commercial for DVD and now Blu-ray sales. Let me toss some examples out there. Yeah. Things like Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh, Jesus. They... Do we have to go there? They know it was a flop in the box office. Yes. They're going to make their money back on the home release. So they'll take that hit 
up front, knowing, mm. at least hoping, and that a little bit knowing, back. Yep. they'll make it back later on the home release. And that is merchandise sales. Mm-hmm. That's really important. That's a distinction you have to note there. And and you and I really delved into this a lot, I think, over the past couple of weeks. I know I looked at Toy Animation, and you looked at Namco Bandai. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and we really compared a lot of stuff. And just to... I know I always like to go back because One Piece is really the anime in Japan right now that, I mean, it is the new hotness. Yeah. yeah. And when I say new hotness, I mean, it's been around for... <laughs> it's what, 11 years yeah. old now? <laughs> so, I mean, it's been around Sure. the block. Everybody knows what it is. It's the new Dragon Ball, I guess you could say. But it's just, it's really... So I always like to use that as a comparison to, you know, how are they doing? And I know when I got the fiscal report... Let's and looking talk about at that, this. For the last year... 2011 fiscal report from toy animation if you want i don't know how it can become any more clear of why this is getting canceled why we're gonna shut this down we need to stop the bleeding because here's what's happening when i saw these numbers i was just astounded i mean dragon ball pulled in 265 million yen through the third quarter of fiscal 2011 all right 265 million that is awesome i mean props to them i you know they did the best they could and then you look at one piece and your head just explodes because they pulled in 2,449 million yen, which is 2.45 billion yen alone for one series through the third quarter of a fiscal year. We haven't even finished the fourth quarter yet. Oh my God. (laughs) This is unbelievable. Well, Heath, let's ignore One Piece. Let's concentrate on just Dragon Ball. Forget its comparisons to One Piece. Did 200, what, 60? 265 million yen. All right, and we're going to see this with a little bit of Namka Bandai here. 2007, at least as far back as we've been digging back into well, since the new resurgence a little bit. I'm, anyway. I'm, I'm just going to go back to 2010. All right. What sure. we've made through three quarters of this fiscal year, 265 million yen. You double that, you have haven't even reached what they made in the entire fiscal year of 2010. This is Toei we're talking about. This yeah. is Toei's entire money I mean, they pulled in the 598 million yen in 2010. That was an entire year. We're three quarters of the way, and we haven't even reached half of what they made the previous year. And then you go back to a year, say, like you mentioned, 2007, it's where they pulled year. in 1.23 billion yen for Dragon Ball. It's Ever since 2007, it's been a constant downward spiral for the series in general for Toei, and it's just something that they haven't been able to dig themselves out of. That That's interesting to me. 2007, Kai was still two years. Yep. I mean, even considering fiscal years versus calendar years, Kai is still two years in the future. Kai did not help in the least for Toei's bottom line for the Dragon Ball franchise. And then we also bring up all the, the different things of... Stunt casting, idol groups that we're going to bring in. Can we get these sales to go up? Now, Apparently looking, the answer is no, we can't. Now, are we looking solely at revenue or are we looking at these adjusted profit margins? These are licensing sales. Mm. So, say, for instance, someone approaches Toei, like McDonald's. We want to make figures that we can put out right, with our right. Happy Meals. And they say, mm. okay, we need 100,000 yen. Mm. And you guys have the license to make certain figures that you guys can do. And that's what we're talking about, where other companies are coming. They've they've profited out. So a lot of that also comes from Fuji TV, where they've marketed 
this as a license to Fuji TV mm-hmm. because uh, over the years, Fuji TV, Bird Studio, Shueisha, and Toei Animation have been the single property owners to Dragon Ball. So they are the entities that can basically do what they want with Dragon Ball at any time. Now, are we still seeing, I mean, I think it's, you can't really argue that Kai was a success by any means, honestly, based on those figures. Based on TV ratings, it was. Based on TV (laughs) ratings alone, but based on the actual financial viability that came from what they were able to license as a result. But arguably, also, you could say the fact that there has been a decrease, I guess, that we can recognize, at least over here, and since there's been such a uh, decreased time lag between Eastern releases and what we see over here, less video games have been released, arguably, with regards to the property, I think, here in the past couple of years. Well, let's, let's jump into that. Sure. I mean, I mean the saturation of the market has decreased to such a degree where if One Piece is still, I guess, like you say it yourself, it's the new hotness. You know, it's the new mm-hmm. hot property that they can still hammer out there, whereas Dragon Ball, 20-some-odd years of video games, and yeah, especially yeah. since the PS2 generation where they were really a new game every year that just had very mild, Definitely you know, improvements. But, but what's you reach saturation. What's yeah. important to note in there as well was that was still the time that we had American-produced Dragon Ball games. It's we true. had Atari farming out over to Webfoot, over to who? I don't even remember some of the other companies involved. And then we had Demps come in. And so right, forth. right, right. Yeah. I mean, there were yeah, the games being produced in Japan. The legacy of Goku games; those mm. were American-made. That was certainly adding to the bottom line well, legacy Toei. of goku 2 was yeah, released in over. japan that's so crazy to me mm. let's jump I and mean, we're talking about the toei figures here let's jump over to the namco bandai figures i want to harp on that year 2007 the fiscal year 2007 anyway we're two years out from kai for namco bandai the dragon ball franchise let's just talk toys and hobby merchandise. We're not counting video games here just yet. Toys and hobby merchandise. Fiscal 2007 was 7.9 billion yen. In their quarter three fiscal 2011 report, this is the most recent one that Namco Bandai has put out, they're reporting only 1.7 billion yen for the franchise so far this fiscal year. All right, they're rep- they're projecting maybe we're going to hit 2.7. I don't know where they're coming up with that extra billion yen in there for the fourth quarter of the year. Let's be realistic and say it's probably going to be somewhere down around 2. I- <laughs> Just playing with the math a little bit, they're doing something like one-seventh of what they were doing three to four years ago for toys and hobby merchandise. And that's where the vast majority of the money is going to be coming from. Yeah. A seventh. Which is what we talked about. I mean, even though Toy Animation isn't making just a buttload off of it, compared to what they make off of toys, merchandise, the things that pay the bills. I mean, uh, when you go from seven, almost eight billion yen yeah. to Toei Animation only po- pulling in 1.23 billion. Yeah, and yeah. you compare those, you can really see a drastic difference in how much more you can make off of a product in Japan just from merchandising alone, not just TV revenues, which is what we're talking about here. Right, right. I think that's the big picture, th- something that we really need to drive home. It's not the fact that the TV ratings are good. They made a lot of money off of, you know, ads, commercials. They can't sell anything for this product anymore in Japan right now. Let's throw video games into the mix now. A 5 billion yen drop. Is that with a B? Billion. In just the last two 
years. It's down 5 billion yen. The Dragon Ball franchise for Namco Bandai is no longer a top performing franchise. It's yeah. not being listed in their financial highlights report anymore. Now, does that come? I mean, obviously, there has been a, a decrease. You can you can attribute some of it to the actual, um, I guess, economic downturn that's happened here in the past few years. Because yeah, yeah, sure. You know, we we did reach, I guess, the worst of it in 2008, arguably. I see where you're going. But however, no. however, couldn't you also argue, and I'm not saying it by any means attributes to me the majority of what you're saying, mm -hmm. but couldn't you also say part of it can be attributed to the fact that we were seeing titles being shoved out the door by oh, Dimps yes. and by Spike? Mm -hmm. You had two competing companies shoving out different things on the portable and the home console markets. Oh, let's talk about and that. And now Corey. we've gone to the fact that it's, you know, now you're just seeing, you know, the one company putting out one title essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's dive into some of these just like Heath, you were pulling what are these quotes? What are these what did they actually well, and it, say? I know you mentioned it, 2007. I, I think we should establish this first before we jump sure. into these numbers. The fact that you look at 2007, if you put these two graphs next to each other, 2007, Same the peak. Yeah. What happens after that? Every year there is a drop. And not just, oh, we're going to take a minor hit of 500,000 yen. We're talking billions of yen that these franchises, it's just dropping. And there's nothing they can do about it. Nothing. Let's go back to 2005. Bandai, who had not yet merged with Namco at the point that they uh, put this stuff out here. They're talking about the Japanese market. The Dragon Ball Z3 game performed very well as a successor of the previous version. That's what we got as Budokai 3. We know that did well. We got a limited edition over here in the U.S. And he, we were talking about the European market. Time and time again, we got to give props to the European market. Namco Bandai specifically noted them here. They're talking about France, UK, Spain. Uh, in the video game software area, Dragon Ball Z3 contributed substantially to the operating results. And for a couple years, this was, this is how it went. They're like, yeah, this is, this is doing all right. But already in the next year, let me give you a, a key quote. This mirrors what Toei was talking about. And the company was unable to respond swiftly to changing customer preferences, both in Japan and abroad. Already the next year, in 2006, they're saying this. Yeah, which is just amazing to see how, when you put the two and two together, it's like they're working with the same numbers, the same scales in a way that we're seeing the exact same things happening with two different companies with the same property. This is so crazy. Talk about current day stuff with the Dragon Ball franchise. It's not being listed as one of their top performing franchises. Um, fiscal 2010, the Dragon Ball franchise receives no special nods at all. This is Raging Blast. Yeah, but don't you think a lot of that can be attributed to, you know, we've made, I think, uh, mention of it on the podcast, and I know you have on your respective sites. Sure. The iterations have occurred. I mean, even going back to, you know, when Dragon Ball arguably made its comeback as a platform, you know, video sure. game. They're never really huge, huge differences no, between the different titles. It's, it's essentially the uh, Street Fighter 2 approach where you're buying the same game yeah, over yeah, and every over single again. Year. Absolutely. And it seems like they're fighting with 
we need to do it in a cheap way because we need to leverage. I mean, they don't say it in the same way Toei does, but it's clearly we got to leverage our library. We got to do things cheap. We got to do what we can with this. But it's biting them in the ass at the same time. We joke about it, but it's financial reality. That don't we're you think that here. they should see? OK, they've seen the viability of the property before as something that can sell both domestically and abroad. Don't you think that it speaks poorly, I guess, of their business sense and their ability to, I guess, you know, uh, measure the market and see, I guess, the cost to benefit ratio of how they could have looked at how the property should have been managed. For instance, you know, there are there are arguments, you know, about how Burst Limits outsold Raging Blast. Yeah. And yet Raging Blast received a second iteration, which with arguably very mild upgrades to it. I mean, the main selling point I think we all went over was the fact that Raging Blast 2 had the revised version of the, you know, uh, plan to eradicate the Super Saiyan. Which was, you know, a lot of people speculated is this, we're putting this on there because we're seeing if this is going to drive up sales. We talked about this. It did 10K less its first week than its predecessor did. Yeah, so obviously it was a failed experiment, but it seemed like that was the thing, at least over here. I mean, I can't speak personally to how they were marketing it in Japan. Right. But over here, it seemed that everything you saw in terms of, you know, interviews with people that spoke for the domestic licensors, that was their big deal. They were talking about this was, and it was, of course, as you would expect, you know, it had uh, mispropagations of what it was exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, talking what, about whatever. this is something sure. that's never been seen before. It's some sort of holy grail. It was never finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. never finished, et cetera, and so forth, masturbation and everything. But I mean, <laughs> it was, you know, that even with that, you know, which was essentially their ace in the hole, it seems like they could have better measured the market. And I don't it kind of ties they? to Kai in a way because, okay, Kai. Well, how many Kai video games did we get? Two. Two. Yeah, but I'm saying that in terms of the... Effort, <laughs> One wasn't even originally a Kai game. <laughs> I'm talking about, though, the effort that was invested into something and the type of return that they saw because Kai was essentially, okay, a very uh, small improvement, quote-unquote, over its predecessor. You know, they went back, they remastered it in HD, so they say. Uh, they traced it in Flash and so forth. Uh, but, you know, the video games, it was the same kind of logic. You know, they had the same engine. They made minor tweaks to the character models they yeah, tried to rebalance yeah. the gaming engine to some degree you know they had you know they sprayed the characters with a new layer of plasticine i mean it was something <laughs> it was not a huge thing where you popped it in and you were just blown away where it was just my god well, this the is thing is now we're getting into the video game industry and this is an entirely different discussion yeah now. but it's sort of almost you know there is to me at least and this i only speak for myself of course there is a very much a uh, almost an umbilicus between the video game industry and how they approach the actual series of kai itself because one was approached with very mild effort to make it better quote unquote than its predecessor yeah I mean both of them almost seem to have a a similar amount of interest invested and both of them in all honesty seem to be generating poor returns and it's kind of disappointing to me that especially when they're making such a big deal over you know we're going to have such a better mindset about being more observant of the market that they're seeing these failures and yet they're not making the necessary changes to uh, improve, even in this harsh market, you know, their sales and so forth. But like we saw, sales going down, the cost to develop games has gone up. It's insane. But even when you have an existing engine that you're working with, 
Because, I mean, arguably... I, I, I mean, I can't speak to it. Yeah. I don't know that any of us can. But yeah. just in the yearly schedule, we know that if they're going to leverage this, they have to have one out the next year. I mean, we've we've tossed out the game sales figures. I'm not going to repeat them ad nauseum here on the show. They go down, they go down, they go down, they go down further. It's just worse and worse every single year with every single game. I think they're at the point now. I don't know if we're going to see Raging Blast 3 this year. I would be highly surprised if we saw Raging Blast 3. I think this all goes back to my New Year's prediction. (laughs) Heath, what was your New Year's prediction? My New Year's prediction, which a lot of people yelled at me, I said, and you can go back and listen to it, I, I, I believe you read it. I remember. Um, We're done. Yep. I said Kai will end at the end of the cell arc, and we will go into a bit of a downward spiral for Dragon Ball where we will not see much for years, and we'll go back into a recession that we saw when Dragon Ball originally ended, and we just went through the second wave. But the second wave, in all honesty, wasn't that kind of... Uh, it was kind of brought on, in all honesty, I would think, from an outsider's perspective, by... Uh, North American market. Yeah, by the North yeah. American market, and since the North American market uh, is... In a way, it was, but what really set it off was the Kanzenbahn, which, for sure. which well, in North America was not the driving force ever. We've oh, we've never had not. Dragon Ball as a manga be the driving force to the series. That's true. Ever. We had two sides of it going on. We had the Kanzenbahn set it off in Japan, and then of course we had the Dragon Boxes and the R2 singles. Those were two things that they had never had. I mean, sure, the Kanzenbahn was a re-release of the same thing. Never a home release of the series, so that was all which, new material. And like we talked about before, the fact Those that they sold. did a poll for the Japanese audience and said, what do you want on DVD? Right, right. So, while you could say that maybe the North American market really drove that I think more so it was the Japanese market. That is what they wanted. They wanted Dragon Ball on home release, which they had never had since the series ended in 95. And does that tie in with Kai? They already have their complete edition of the manga. They have their complete edition of the TV series. It's been airing in repeats since it ended. Yeah. I mean, it's been on satellite forever. They have Dragon Ball. I honestly think, and I've discussed this, I think, ad nauseum with both you and with Heath. I think that they poorly misjudged the market when they looked at this thing. I think that they believed that since a lot of companies have been reapproaching properties that they had fully developed, mm. uh, that they could almost take a shortcut, essentially, by taking the exact footage that they had, making yeah. very mild, in their opinion, uh improvements to it and that they could witness the same kind of uh, resurgence in merchandising by putting it back out there as a seemingly refreshed version we talked about well they pulled the funimation with it they and did. the thing was is they actually had seen a resurgence i they charted in in one of their presentations here was when dragon ball began they showed there was no dragon ball in this era and then all of a sudden they noted, here's a resurgence of the Dragon Boxes, of the Kanzenban, and they noted it all, and they specifically noted, we're going to drive this into the future with just, we're going to reinvigorate this series. Let me end that sentence in a different way for you. They're going to drive it into the, the ground. ground. 
<laughs> into the future. <laughs> well, here's the sad thing, okay? We've seen, and I know I talked, Heath and I were discussing, I think, yesterday, Dr. Slump, okay? Sure, sure. They had looked at that before, and I speak as someone that's completely ignorant of that particular property, but we had talked before, and I'm mildly, I'm mildly uh, aware of what happened. They took that series, for instance, and they did attempt to do a reversioning of it. Picked up after previously. GT ended. November, mm-hmm. Was it November 97? Yeah. Okay. Yep. What? I guess it's just one of those things where I am very at a loss for why they believed that, having done that before, why they could just take pre-existing animation and do what they did. That's true. The new Dr. Slump was a new exactly. Dr. Mm-hmm. Slump. This was just... Z. Well, they had different character designs. Yeah. They, I mean, they went full full board with that. And where we have properties over there and domestically, arguably, that have been successful. You know, I, I've kind of touted this to Heath over and over again. You know, Helsing Ultimate. We've right, seen right. a complete reversion. Well, that. That's a monster in and of itself. It's oh, yeah. But you've also got, you know, take something that is, you know, by association tied to Toei because they must know of it because Funimation licenses it also. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, for instance. Okay. Another version of something where there was a pre-existing anime, but they have decided to go back and make something that is based off of closer to the manga. It is a parallel in a strange way in Helsing as well, exactly. following the manga more closely. Yeah, because And that's now, so weird. Does that because of the Japanese demands for it to go back to the original story? Is it just because I think you know, there's such honesty, great people that they feel they should? Or I think it's something that obviously, much like Toei's you know, uh, interpretation of things, you know, they want to make a cash grab on a property that they already had the rights to Mm. the story was already done so yes they did you know in the cases of these other properties you know these other companies did have to reanimate them. They brought the cast back in. They reacted the lines. I mean... Of course, you keep talking about the video game stuff. We're seeing this mm-hmm. Beyond Good and Evil HD mm-hmm. just recently came out. Mm-hmm. This is the trend right now. And it's very, in the it's game very disheartening, in all honesty, for someone like me, at least. Because it's... Okay, a lot of people, unfortunately, will just buy things over and over and over again. For it's something, that, it's something that the market is, unfortunately very much based upon right now, especially with the uh, expansion of the digital market. Yeah, yeah. With video games in particular, you see a lot of people buying things via the PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, etc. But you get people like me, in all honesty, who don't want to have seven different copies of the same thing. You know, old school video games, I either own in cartridge format or CD format, or, you know, I have, God forbid, emulation that Basically well, pounds anything commercially available into the dirt. Yeah, but now we're getting into the convenience era, and maybe that's kind of what they wanted to do with Kai in a way, the convenience of the less filler, and we're doing Blu-ray sets only versus the individual DVDs. It's yeah, so it weird. I think it seems poor when they had a proven market, in all honesty, where Helsing Ultimate, okay, over here it kind of got screwed over by the fact that Genion went out of business. Funimation picked up the licenses. I have no idea where it stands at the moment because yeah. in all honesty, I haven't stayed with it that very much, but I know over in Japan they've done Blu-ray releases from what I've read and so forth. It's not something that's, uh, you know... Uh, dead on the side of the road, for lack of a better expression. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I think, is a decent seller for Funimation over here. I don't know how it's doing over in Japan. It's but not I, on TV. I would assume it's doing decent, at least in or terms is it? of Actually, moving units. It is on TV. It's on Cartoon yeah. Network. Moving units, I would think, at least it's doing decently enough that Funimation
information keeps releasing it over and over again. Yeah. Uh, it just seems strange mm. that, you know, especially after the Jump special, we all agreed, you know, it was Flash animation, or at least it appeared to be. It wasn't something that was necessarily 100% uh, impressive, but it was something that was great from a nostalgia angle. Weren't so, we all so much more enthusiastic about that? Extremely, from, and that from, was... From yes. all angles, yeah. it was the new story, it was the new animation, it was the old score, but it fit in with the series. We had the old people back doing the voices that were still among the living. We had a new story that was not, it was not abrasive to the existing continuity, but at the same time, it was mm -hmm. something where no one character felt like they were against what had been established. Oh it was yeah, something, it, it fit in so nicely. It was, it was great. It was essentially a shot in the arm that I think a lot of us needed for yeah. the series that were kind of tired of it, that had seen everything everything over and over again and th that is us yeah right, it sure. is which i mean i can kind of bring this around a little bit there was the you know it was simulcast at the same time yeah, of, yeah. we're gonna multiple put all languages. these subtitles up we're gonna we're gonna do it for multiple countries you guys can come watch and that's one thing that um not for toei has really pushed of we want to simulcast stuff and yeah it, it was in this where we're gonna simulcast one piece and at the same time everyone's going i wonder would we, are they gonna simulcast Kai. And it turns out, no, we're not. But we're going to do Z. We're going to do it all that again. And, and know, that really makes you wonder. I think they didn't do on. the simultest because we have Nicktoons and we have yeah. the CW. We have something that's going to pull. I mean, we're talking about ratings, so I don't want to make this sound hypocritical in a way, but it's going to get more money being on TV than it's going to get simulcast. Yeah, it's not it great will. money, but it's going to help sustain it a little bit more. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest reason why we don't have a simulcast cast of Kai's because we've got the real TV broadcast of it. Which is funny because, you know, I think we had, I mean, of course, unfortunately, the people listening at home weren't present for all this drunken rambling but <laughs> we've been God. talking about you Thank guys were talking God. about it before you got here and we were even talking about it just but i mean we were tonight. talking earlier about the fact that you know uh i guess the actual people that are making shows are trying to take you know the uh, third parties out of the equation you know and they're yeah de they're delivering directly to the consumer in order to maximize their profit margin or their impact on the actual you know uh target demographic but I mean, you look at, you know, uh, simulcasting, for instance, and it's, you were talking about, you know, Nicktoons and so forth and saturation in the market with, you know, so many licensors essentially that have opted to broadcast it in the North America market. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny, we're seeing a conscious move away from that on a lot of levels. It's kind of amusing to see it still being kind of antiquated in that way where we're seeing that. We're effect. moving away from old media. It's an antiquated show. It at the same time. It's an antiquated show being updated in such a kind of half-assed way. And it's being approached in its broadcast medium in an antiquated kind of manner. It's kind of like the whole thing is kind of just a half-assed approach. It's just out of time. It in is. A way. Yeah. And I really think uh, a lot of us would agree, domestically at least, especially with the Dragon Boxes coming out over in North America now, we're approaching, I guess, the midpoint of that run. A lot of us, you know, were talking about the Dragon Boxes being released in a native HD format, and there was always speculation over how they actually scanned the original film Right, negatives. was the Dragon Box Master 1080p or was it just 480? Exactly, and we've never received a clear meaning, but or a clear answer to that, but it seems like, you know, Dragon Ball Kai maybe has filled in some of that, yeah, you know, yeah. as an explanation but it's kind of sad that they kind of shot straight over that 
something that could have mm. quite possibly, especially with their own, you know... Uh, they could have double-dipped more efficiently for themselves. Exactly, especially with them making note of the fact that the HD market had, you know, become something that they really need to pay attention to. It was viable to. for them to pay exactly. attention to. Exactly, it was something yeah. that was extremely financial vi- financially viable, and they kind of just kind of blew it away in order to do something that... Did people ever really want it in the first place? Right. Well, I, I think that's a great segue into Kai's now pretty much over. So where is this going to go? Heath, one of the quotes you pulled out of here was, you're talking about their their financial presentations every single year. Toei noted that the strong performance of character merchandise, DVDs, Blu-rays of One Piece and Pretty Cure. Dragon Ball's not in there anymore. No, they... We saw this with Namco Bandai as well. No longer a top-performing franchise. No. They would they would mention it at the end of the presentation that uh, it would be airing at nine thirty on Sundays, and that's basically the only mention that Dragon Ball Kai would get for the last year, basically in a lot of their presentations. Mm-hmm. So you can really see that they've they almost stopped paying less attention to it. They knew at some point that I think we need to move on from this, and I know I had another quote in there that was. You know, I think really telling because in the the second quarter of their their 2011 fiscal year, right, right. They, they noted that under a continuous severe business environment, our goal Toei Animation is to aim to create the next hit title. They were going out. We need something new. We need the new hotness. All right, which Dragon is Ball's what we had talked about. It. What's next? Toriko. We we know it, it's taking the time slot. They've already started combining it with One Piece with those 3D features mm-hmm. at Jump Festa. The first, I, I'm not entirely sure. I I haven't kept up with it, but maybe the first episode of Toriko is a crossover with One Piece. It's something. I believe so. I think that's what's been reported. There's been no real confirmation from Fuji TV or Toei Animation. I mean, stuff's going to be pushed back now, so maybe we're not going to get yeah. entirely clear information until it actually debuts. But Kai is out. So something we haven't talked about before we totally wrap things up is. We're talking about the co-production. Dragon Ball's not being co-produced, but obviously international market's important. Mm -hmm. To contrast your graph of Toei Dragon Ball, down, 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 down. International licensing, up, 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 up. Why didn't this save it? They really, if if you look at the numbers as far as how much it made, and I don't have the graph in front of me at the moment, the numbers were not quite as significant is you know while it went up so it, it looks it really important yeah i know from the numbers that i looked at for the third quarter of the fiscal year 2011 the numbers still haven't reached what they made last year so this oh, year yeah. possibly for dragon ball in north america well not specifically just north america but internationally outside japan sure right overseas they won't make as much off of it as they did the year previously this is with more dubs of kai we've had yes. the was the taiwanese dub start off in this last year the mm-hmm. mexican dub with all of these new productions of Kai, it's still not doing as well as it did the previous year, right. which itself was not as good as the previous year. Kai existing is not... It's not cutting it. It's just not doing it. No. Nope. That's crazy. Something I, I, I quoted it before, and I don't mean to be harsh with it, but there is, I'm going to call it emotional delusion with the Dragon Ball oh, franchise. definitely. Too big to fail. How can this be happening? And I've seen this... I don't want to single out our forum because we've got so many amazingly brilliant people on our forum. But it's just, they're pumping out all this merchandise. There's these these pancake makers and the, the Kame sending tissue holders.
Polars, and there's all the, the Legend of Cyan figures that came off the Freezes Force that we've talked about so much. There's so many great things coming out. Doesn't this mean it's doing well? No. Not if anybody's not buying them. No one's buying this stuff at all anymore and it's sad it's really sad (laughs) it's really like i'm bumming my i'm saying these words and my brain is cranking to keep up with what i'm saying i've got it going on myself holy shit dragon ball's coming to a close in popularity and i think this is one thing that most of us because of the generation that we live in the the mass media the the internet age where everything's instant where we can find out what's happening we know what's going on overseas most of us you know when this happened to gt yes we may have been alive at least in this room but we did not live through it like we're living through kai ending right now no it is totally not different. the same totally thing different. and i think that's one perspective that's really hard for a lot of people to take of i don't even know how to say it just the fact that Kai is ending, and it's basically a fact at this point, and we know it's going to happen. Merchandise wasn't there. TV ratings were there, but when GT ended, TV ratings were plummeting. Merchandise was plummeting. I mean, just across the board, anything you can associate with GT was not good. And that is why that series ended. And we just really weren't around. It wasn't as documented as this is now. I mean, you have a tidbits page of how Kai came about, how... We learned news. We don't have that for anything else. I mean, we live in an age when this stuff is readily available. Here's a quote. Let's document it. It is there forever. I mean, if you even go on Toei or Namco Bandai and you go to look for these presentations, I mean, they go back to 2006, 2004. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. When this stuff happened in the 90s, no one could go dig up these numbers, look at these. You know, if you didn't live in Japan and could go get a newspaper if and look at it. If you didn't have Famitsu that week or yeah. Weekly Jump that week with whatever was going on. So I think almost to our advantage, it's really nice to have these numbers that we can at least find out, okay, this is what's happening. We've got our Dragon Ball Alamo going on. Never forget. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've got justification at least because it seems like everything prior to this has always been us uh, kind of speculating. You know, there's been wide speculation over everything, it seems like, historically with Dragon Ball. It's what we do, our wild speculation and wonderful pontification. Exactly, but now at least in this case, you know, there are hardline numbers that we can look at where we can at least point to it. And it's, it's still speculation of course, but I mean, at least we have... It's quasi-educated at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> we're all 10 years older than we were back then, too. Just a little bit, that I helps. mean, yeah. Yeah, we do have that. But I mean, you have to... <laughs> you work with numbers. I did some banking industry stuff for a while. Yeah, I mean, we've got to figure... Um, I mean, it's something, something that's... Something that Thanks, you, something that <laughs> Graduate think, degree. <laughs> something that I think all of us are aware of, and I think anyone that has studied any sort of market is that things always inevitably reach a saturation point and have to pull back. <laughs> Let's be total dicks for a second. When's the One Piece monster going to fall? It's got to fall eventually. I mean, it's something... I think uh, if you really want to know, go look at the graph Was that I put peak? up. I mean, it is dipped, dip, dip. Lil Rise, Lil Rise, Lil Rise. Strong and World. this year, <laughs> Strong World, I mean, it just sky... So, I hate to tell you, One Piece fans, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to top this year. You might, but it is not going to lie. You can't sustain $2.45 billion for... I think I did the math, and I was talking to you one night. Almost 70% of what Toy Animation made off of licensing sales was just from One Piece. 
that is not gonna let there's it can't, can't happen. happen it's nuts it's nuts there's so many other things contributing to what's going on we've got the kenji yamamoto music scandal did this contribute to it or did it just happen to come at the right or wrong time i think it was just a time i, I think thing. this is something that they've known of for a while and it just figures that the show's already ending so now it's fine well the proverbial i think a lot of what the, the evidence points toward which we've kind of talked about is yeah we have a feeling they knew, but it kind of got pushed under the rug. Nothing happened. But at some point within this last year, some company came forward and said, hey, we found out that this is in here. Well, it, and to acknowledge a lot of the emails we've gotten, they're like, yeah. all right, you're talking about, and I think someone responded in the forum thread for last episode as well, talking about, all right, some of these when trunks showed up. Huh. That was this year in North America on Nicktoons. Interesting. That's North America. Yep. That's where the music was stolen from. Well, here's what I have to wonder on. Okay, they're familiar. Okay, looking at the Japanese market, my perception has been as an outsider and someone that I'd look as I, you know, identify myself as a layman. They've always kind of looked at things from what I've seen as a flattery or yeah, imitation yeah. as the highest form of flattery. What pushed it to such a degree, I guess, that now it is something that they have to publicly acknowledge. <laughs> I think it was just flat out stealing tracks from Avatar yeah. and Terminator. Yeah, that would that would happen. Because if, again, not pulling back to the video game industry, but if you remember Final Fantasy VIII, when they did that soundtrack uh, oh, for sure. the demo, where they were storming the uh, beach and it had the exact same essential music cues from the movie The Rock. Yeah, yeah. And they had to rescore the whole thing for the actual final game. Crazy stuff that's happened. It's yeah. funny. So yeah. we've got the music angle. We've got the merchandise angle. We've got the ratings angle. Dragon Ball Kai coming to an end. And we've talked about this as well. Oh my God. Dragon Ball's over. What are you guys going to do? Well, we're going to end everything and just, <laughs> we're done. you know, we're going to close shop. I think. End of the podcast, end of our sites. I'm going um, to jump the uh, the sharp. largest canyon I can find. Perfect, perfect. And uh, We'll be right behind you. Yeah, you know. Oh, Kai has yeah. no relevance, really, to what we do. I mean, we'll talk about it from time to time. And it's been a fascinating ride along the oh. way. I mean, he. I don't want to say even your site in a pejorative way. But Quote, unquote. Even Constantine was along for the ride long before Kai existed. It, oh, yeah. We've been following the series. It was... Uh, you were I, 05, right? I will say that when this started up, it preempted a lot of stuff we had scheduled that we're going to do this with the site. We're going to do this. Yeah, and yeah. Kai happened, and so be it. We, we have so many things that we are going to do that we had scheduled that we put on hold for two years now. Yeah. And yeah. so there's so much left to do. I <laughs> We're just shrugging on, okay, I guess, yeah. I guess we can stop talking about Kenji Yamamoto for a while. There's so much content to dive into from the series as it has always existed. Something we've talked about with reversionings of the show, I mean, maybe it carries over a little bit here. The original is not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. There's so much more with the 508 episodes and movies and special features and data guides and there's more art books and there's CDs. Well, maybe those are Well, we already know that you know, when the Golden Warrior art book came out, we already know there's enough art, artwork out there that they could make a whole other art book if they really wanted right, to. Right. So stuff's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. It, you know, are we going to go on a dry spell for a while? I would say so. 
Great. And it's going to be a fantastic catch up time for yes. all of us to dive back into so many things we've been wanting to do. And so we're going to ride out what will be the next dry spell of new stuff. And it's going to come back. It is their evergreen title, as they've called it. I mean, we're, we're calling for this death of Dragon Ball in a weird way, as if it's certain to happen. Maybe it's going to take a little extra time because of all the international licensing. Maybe we'll get another year out of video games. There's so much more to come. There's so much more for us to do. Kai doesn't have a whole lot of relevance on our covering the series, our enthusiasm for the series. There's so much more to do. I agree. I don't know what else to add to that. I I think you covered it pretty well. So Kai's basically over, we think, in like a month. It's- it's one of those things where it's sad to see it go because it was here, yeah. but I I guess you could say cherish the moment of we lived through that. We were we knew everything was going on the entire time of the series. I survived. I survived. I, there's almost no one around in North America that say, I remember when Dragon Ball started in Japan and I was around when it ended with GT. <laughs> right. We can say we <laughs> were around for the entirety of Kai. <laughs> we have folks like Kunzai who was like, yep. I remember brief animation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one else does. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and so many of the current fans can say that too. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be fascinating when we get another five or six years down the road when whatever the next wave is. Mm-hmm. And it's new to those people. And the folks who are new now are like, hey, man, I remember when there was this thing called Dragon Ball Kai and that was the new hotness. And that's going to be so weird. Because then it we're is. all going to be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I remember when there was GT and that was new. So let, let's bring, the, I guess, this episode to a close. I hope we described in some concrete manner where Dragon Ball Kai came from. What were the motivations for producing it in the first place? What happened over the course of its run? And what maybe we can look forward to? over the next couple years we don't really know because it's still kind of dwindling down and maybe they'll drag it out a little longer we don't really know well, and we know we still have international releases coming right as right. far as we know and and i've mentioned this because the american release is sort of like a year behind that's gonna make it feel like it's delayed a little longer if you don't pay attention exclusively to the japanese side of things well and even in japan i they're releasing the jinzo ningen oh yeah arc at, we, we know that's um, through like much August lower or rate than they ever did to begin with. Right. So, so Kai's going to continue coming out yeah. in the home format for a while. So at this point, what I'm going to do, because uh, I think in two minutes, as of what we're recording right now, the contest is going to end to give away Daisenshu 4. But because I don't have stuff in front of me to actually do that in two minutes when the deadline comes i'll just do a little record scratch insert so let's go do contest stuff right now everyone's gone home but we still need to give away that prize for this episode now in celebration of 250 podcast episodes and a little over 13 years of the website Daisenshu EX we decided to give away a copy of Daisenshu 4 World Guide we've been talking about it for a couple weeks now the contest was just a regular old random drawing and we've been running it across the website the podcast you know Twitter Facebook all the regular places the entries are in the deadline has passed so let's give it away 
right now. So the low lucky number this time around is number 18 and in chronological order that was Tim B from Down Under in Australia. Thank you so much for entering. You have indeed won Daisenshi 4 World Guide right here. We'll be in touch to get your address and hopefully we can get it out to you this week. I suppose we have to give away this copy of the Boo DVD. I don't even remember. Was it Vegeta's Plea? It's one of the old 4x3 singles from Funimation. The semi-unlucky but still lucky next number this time is number 68 which is Darcy. Darcy if you already own the DVD or just don't want it which I can totally understand I'll offer up a second choice here. Now it's a Sonmei bootleg so I'm gonna just put that out there up front. Now I can't really do anything with it other than give it away. I obviously can't sell it. There's no way I would ever do that knowing who I am but I have an extra copy of Hit Song Collection 6 sitting around, which is indeed Battle Point Unlimited. And it's just wonderfully hilarious considering the circumstances right now with Kenji Yamamoto. So if you'd rather have the CD, knowing it's a bootleg, but your choices are the CD or the random DVD, it's all yours. We'll be in touch to let you know and get your answer any which way. So big, big congratulations to our two winners this time here around on the podcast on the website, Daisenshu VX. We have many more contests coming your way in probably the near future so stay tuned for those there's lots of awesome stuff for you guys to win and uh it's just a great way for us to give back to you guys for everything that you give to us as such a fantastic audience and with that back to the regular end of the episode once again, congratulations to whoever it was that won Daisenshu 4. You are like the coolest guy ever. Or girl. Or girl. So we many cannot females, be biased. So right. many females entering this contest. You know, we totally, like, we're sitting here and trying to figure it out, and I guessed that it would be you, so I just want to say from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, Corey totally called it. I knew it would be you, so, you know, you can feel free to thank me at any point that you deem necessary. Absolutely. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I know, life. right? He didn't even look at the entrance, just like, you, It's he just pulled it out. What can I say? I've got a gift. All right, well, you can probably tell that we lost Mary at some point along <laughs> the way. She had, uh, we're down in our basement where the cats are, and we love our cats to death, but Mary's allergic to our cats. It's very, very sad. Okay, everybody at once. Oh. So she got the, the horrible sniffles and had to depart, I think, a quarter or a third of the way into our discussion. We just kind of charged, charged onward and... <laughs> We'll edit around what we can. The feminine presence left. That's right. So uh, This is Daisenshu EX, the Sausage Party edition. That's right. That's right. We got to thank all the people that have made this happen right here. Speaking of sausages, the one of power to my left over here, Corey. Why, thank you. Thanks for joining the show here. Thank you week. very much for having me drag my ass out of bed and drive up here That's to New right. Jersey from Virginia. I'm going <laughs> to make you drag your ass out of bed early tomorrow so we can head off to the city and have some fun too I know that's gonna be an interesting experience it should be fun and the furthest traveler as always great, I think that's how it happens great 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 to have you here thanks in, for having me in my basement yes that's this is where I stay I'm not allowed upstairs I no, don't know why no, no there's a better cross from the kitty litter and you can sleep in that one if you want okay that's fine and if not well um, that's where you're sleeping anyway so wait a minute we're moving towards the goodbyes and yet we haven't given our final thoughts 
<laughs> Are there any final thoughts? I don't think so. Corey clearly has some final thoughts. I have to go to the bathroom. Just thought I'd share that. You know, that right there just completely destroyed any ability of mine to articulate something <laughs> that would... It hasn't been interesting to see Corey come down over the mm-hmm. course of this two-hour conversation that we had. It was so crazy at the beginning. Now he's just... The words are drawn <laughs> out and long. No, I'm crazy. I was crazy at the beginning. I was drinking. I wasn't like doing crystal meth. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, and Kai, which by the way would be formed by these different kanji if you nah, fucking nah, nah, form nah, them nah, in this le- this order. Did you know that Kai also means these different words in these different languages? But uh, no, it's always a good trip to come out. Definitely awesome. worth it. And, and thanks love- to Corey for getting me from the airport. Oh, absolutely. Although I, there was a delay somewhere. You were there was. The he got stuck people. in traffic, you know. It's cool. And it's cool. got harassed by people, which was fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Corey, do you have anything to plug? I'm tired. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, That's what I would like to plug. Heath Constantine. Yes, you can find myself and Jake. Who we're going to hear Herms. from next week, I think? I believe so. As far as I know, it's scheduled. I, I have it on the books, and I told him that he needs to show up, so yes. he should right. be Perfect. here. Um, you guys have a book? I yeah, we, we do. We have a log. <laughs> um, you can find both of us at Constantine.com, K-A-N-Z-E-N-T-A-I. Dot com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Constantai underscore com. If you don't have Twitter, it shows up on our main page, so you can actually read what we're tweeting, which is nice. I really like that I've integrated that because there are some people that, hey, I don't yeah, like Twitter, sure. I don't want it, and uh, we do post some news Birthdays. up on there that uh, it's not worth an, a no, no. two-sentence post on the site. So. We do a little bit of that, too, but you guys have, uh, it feels like a more regimented schedule of whose birthday is it today and here's a link to something else yep. it's really good. nice i like it it's like you get to find out how old everybody is and they're all in their 70s it's yes. like entertainment tonight all right so we're definitely going to hear from you again soon unfortunately it won't be in front of a microphone directly across from me which is always nice. that you know of he may just end up knocking on your door if he can find the correct one you know sometimes i'm i'm not entirely sure if I'm talking to a real person or not. <laughs> I pre-record all of my scenes. <laughs> but we, we love having you guys here with me. I mean, we've been talking for two hours. I hope people enjoy this kind of stuff. This is the kind of episode that I've always wanted the show to be, where it's a bunch of friends kicking back quite a few beers. And a lot of whiskey. And a little bit of whiskey, too. Talking about what they enjoy, what, what they have a passion for, with some real information and and talking about it in what we hope is an authoritative manner but in a casual tone in a fun way and i hope that people can get some kind of entertainment and information out of it as well i I mean that in an absolutely genuine way i hope people enjoy the kind of stuff that we do and if not well fuck it three of us had a good time tonight that's right forget you pretty much so mary for like the first like three minutes i know she had a good time until she couldn't breathe anymore (laughs) poor girl all right so we've got Corey over there we've got heath over there my name is mike vegeto ex you can check us out on daizenshu ex www.daizex.com it's where you can find me you can find julian we are at you multiple times a week we've got news updates for you we're here with our podcast pretty much every week we've got so many great things coming your way forget about kai awesome stuff awesome content awesome collaborations so many great things it's midnight my voice is is finally hitting puberty and dropping into that you've become jeff (laughs) 
If only I could become Jeff. That's, I've practiced yeah. in front of a mirror. That man is gold. <laughs> never tell you. Never quite worked. Jewish gold. Dazen <laughs> X podcast, blah, 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 Japanese, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for listening. Now, here's so, what I worry about, in all honesty. When we're talking about them talking about, in their financial reports, you know, working in a collaborative basis with other uh, right. countries and their companies, essentially. We've seen, of course, Funimation's, uh, I guess, willingness to play with different aspects of properties they produce i mean mm. namely namely dragon ball right because i mean right. obviously they've kind of they've kind of pulled back on that most of their stuff recently aside from you know entering into the hd market you know their own uh, hd upscales a right, lot of right stuff, the upscale market sure yeah a lot of stuff previously you know has just been dragon ball i think was the only one arguably you could say they really changed right, to right. Degree. if you're having something and this again kind of ties back to what i was saying before with you know square enix and the video game industry looking at Western influence in addition to yeah, what yeah. was predominantly, you know, Eastern influence, keeping it Japanese RPGs and so forth. Are we going to see from the beginning, especially, you know, with uh, Western media right now, you know, seeing the birth of a lot of uh, reinterpretations of things for mm-hmm. the sake of, you know, market viability. Are we going to see in this this kind of the kind Western of, Dragon Ball reboot. Well, this ties back to okay, we've seen one Western Dragon Ball reboot in right. a way with the movie, which failed horribly. Right. But looking at things in the long term, not to bring anyone down, we are going to see here in the next few years, unfortunately, the death of a lot of people that are involved with this property. A lot of people yeah, have yeah. carried these characters for in the upwards of 30 years. Once that happens, sad. and it's horrible and it really does depress me, but when we reach that point, we reach something where Toei... Who's going to hold the torch? Exactly. Toei's going to look at something where they're going to be looking at a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Because if they go with someone that completely just apes... And I talked to Heath about this that on the drive up here. You know, they either completely steal the style of the people that preceded them. Mm-hmm. People are going to, you know, completely dismiss them as a horrible, you know, just mimic of their predecessor. Or someone that comes in the studio and essentially says, okay, I'm going to do my own interpretation from the beginning. And they're going to re- be rejected because they're so wholly different from the people that preceded them. But, it, but isn't, if you're isn't having, that dub only, though? How does that... Not necessarily, because if you're talking about the Japanese market, which is what I'm... I'm talking about right now. Okay. You're not talking about other countries interpreting something with the original Some still of this being new there. Co-production. I'm talking about just mm. the Japanese market in general and how the uh, co-production possibilities with other countries can affect that. Mm. So, say worst case scenario, and I hate to say this, say, say say someone we know and love that plays, for instance, the main protagonist in Dragon Ball, who is of an age where it would not be unrealistic cons- to consider that she will be passing away here in the next few years succumbs to the natural effects of age toei therefore having something that is arguably very much a cash cow for lack of a better term mm-hmm. looks to recast the character whether it be for video games for yeah, some yeah. sort of continuation etc ad nauseum they look for someone to recast they can either keep going in a situation that is not unlike kai where they are just continuing the same series with a different voice but trying to emulate the original in this 
best way they can right, so as not mimic. to upset. Exactly. Or if they, they are truly looking at the viability of a, a culmination of a, a collaboration with, you know, someone on the outside, like in our case, the North America market, which would be Funimation as the current license holder. What are we looking at in terms of who's to say that they don't sit down at a table and go, okay, we've already had someone that's main, that is integral to the series pass away. The Western market has rebooted a number of series in their own backyard where they have done a grittier reinterpretation. Who's to say in 2016 we don't have some sort of gritty Western interpretation of Dragon Ball that is done as a brand new animation that Toei is it's behind. True. It's true. It's because possible. they're looking at some different way to make cash off of the property. Possible. I don't know if there's any way we can even theorize on that, but it's certainly yeah. possible the way that co-production is going. They need to do it. And I think what I'm hearing is definitely not just, oh, we're going to dub the character and maybe the, the interpretation will come off differently. It's we're rebooting the franchise in a way where Goku is no longer the Goku that you know. It's Chaku. Exactly. And, and that is the Goku moving forward. And there's... It just depends, I guess, No longer on, an argument over interpretations. It just is. It just depends, I guess, on how much a weight they will give to the sure, outside sure. influences. Because, I mean, gotcha. we've already seen Western influences... Everywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Slightly down. All right, uh, Heath, one more time, if you could talk into it, please. Why do I have to keep talking all the time? So I can balance levels. Shut you, the fuck up and talk more. You like the sound of my voice, don't yeah. you? Accumulating me out. All right, uh, we're up to Corey. If you can just start talking, please. Pour some sugar on me <laughs> in the name of love. Oh, my God. All right, now can you actually talk? What have we unleashed? <laughs> I feel as though I've given you my A-game when it comes to me projecting into the microphone, and yet you're rejecting it, which makes me feel as though you don't appreciate me for the person I am, personally. I don't think that made sense. Classic. I am officially recording. Sweet. Yeah. Oh. That's how we do this. We hit the record button. And here we go. For five hours. Is it technically a button considering it's not an analog form, it's a digital form? It's a button that I click. Mm-hmm. But is it a button? It is. It's a yes. metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphoric <laughs> That's button. That's deep. That, my friend, is so deep, it boggles my intellectual fucking sense. His inebriated <laughs> mind. We're going to do a podcast now.